Hello and welcome back to Glittering a Turd. How are you? How is your turd? I am recording this in Spain. I've run away to Spain to feel some warmth on my face and eat tapas and make friends with stray cats. And also, also because this weekend I will be hitting 14 years with cancer. Um, and I always like to mark the occasion in some way. This year it just happens to be sunshine and friends in Spain. My everlasting turd that is cancer makes me want to stop and remember everything I've experienced, but also appreciate where I am and who I am today. There's absolutely no way I'd be running this podcast and talking to you lot if I hadn't been told on 19th of February 2009 that I had incurable breast cancer. Another way I really like to celebrate today and also ask you guys to celebrate this day every year is by ensuring that you do one thing that makes you remember why being alive is great. It could be as simple as going for a walk and listening to my podcast or writing a letter to a friend, making a special dinner for yourself or others or going to visit somewhere you've never been before. My hope is that 19th of February will never be seen as a day of sadness or fear or a reminder of my impending demise, but sort of be a day we try to be grateful for life. Let me know what you get up to on my Instagram or on my blog. Anyway, today's turd chat is with Laura Crane, who you may remember if you watched Love Island in 2018, and Defo will know if you're into surfing and are aware of some of the pro elite surfers of the world. You, like me, are about to be so amazed at the life lessons she's collected at the age of 28 and what perspectives her turd has given her. I really hope you find it useful. Also, just a heads up, I'm taking a very small break from all things turd chat for a very, very short while and I will be back. And in the meantime, please sign up to my Patreon blog and follow me on Instagram for all of my updates, and that's life or otherwise, like the podcast. Okay, let's get going. Enjoy today's third episode. Laura, thank you so much for joining me on this Glittering a Turd episode. I mean, you're a pro surfer, um, a model and former Love Island contestant. We'll maybe get into that later about whether you like people still sharing that information or not <laughs> but uh my first question is where in the world are you are you in Devon at the moment yeah I'm in Devon I'm in North Devon where I grew up which has come kind of full circle but yeah I'm loving being home yeah but you were born in Bristol is that right born in Bristol yeah we moved down here when I was uh about eight and it's the best <laughs> yeah I mean I'm in Nikki. Yeah. Whereabouts? Pentire. So I can I can I can see the waves at Fistral if you want to know what's happening. Oh yeah, go on then. Um, Give me a surf check. I mean I'm <laughs> regretting saying that now. Uh I can see some white. Is that important or not? Hey, there's waves. I'm gonna take that as a positive. <laughs> Do you come down here? much I actually used to come to Newquay like every single weekend mm. uh, or more or less because we used to do like all the like national competitions down there like in Fistral on the other side and our like, national training was down there so I spent most of my weekends in the camper van with mum up and down uh. the Atlantic Highway <laughs> but yeah no I love it down there so many good memories it's re- actually I love going down there now and it having obviously a completely different appeal to me than competing but yeah it's beautiful I think the further down the country you go it just gets better and better I'm like a proper southerner I guess yeah, right. <laughs> yeah no oh my god it must have been so different not coming here thinking oh I must improve on this or I must smash that or whatever and now you can just maybe come with your dogs for a dog walk and then maybe exactly. go in the water instead do you want to introduce your turd for me please my turd is just my general mental health, but I guess if you're going like particularly deep into it, my original turd was definitely my bulimia. I guess it's like everybody's turds in their life. It's in the moment was just such a dark and terrible place for such a long time that 
I really never thought that I'd be able to look at it with glitter on, in all honesty. And I guess with any illness, there's always moments where you feel like maybe you won't come out of it. And yeah, I guess I've also had a few other kind of health struggles since having the bulimia and whether it was linked to it or not. But I think the one thing that I've kind of always come back to is, I guess, your struggles make you who you are. Um, and I've definitely been with a few, that's for sure, over the years. But I can safely say that I fully recovered from my bulimia, which is something that I never, ever thought that I could truthfully say, because there was a lot of times when I said, yeah, I'm fully recovered just to kind of help other people not worry about me or whatever. And I think that was that was a big learning curve for me, you know, is actually to be really honest with yourself in where you're at with recovery or whether it's, you know, your health or whatever it is. I think there's always a, an element of having to be really honest with yourself before you try to kind of comfort other people through it. Yeah. How old were you when you had bulimia? I was 15 when I first um, started struggling with bulimia. I'd already been competing at that point and sponsored by a really big brand for three years. So by the age of 12, I was already kind of traveling and doing photo shoots and all of these kinds of things. So it was a pretty quick entrance into a competitive like surf career. That's for sure. It literally happened overnight. All of a sudden I was cruising in Croyd, little local surf girl. And the next minute I was on the other side of the world in like Hawaii and Australia and all these crazy places, literally like living my blue crush dream um which was insane you know like there was so I mean I have such incredible memories of it but there's definitely lots of tough ones as well but I think it was just a lot of pressure a lot of pressure super young and I I can be the first to put my hand up and say I put most of that pressure on myself because I'd always been super competitive but yeah it really I think it really started at 15 it's kind of that time where your body goes from I mean I've always been relatively like strong and it's like athletic and that was something I was quite insecure of when I was young well I mean up until a few years ago honestly um and just like my body shape being like a bit more strong and that was always kind of something I had in the back of my mind that maybe wasn't attractive to like the male gaze and all of these kinds of things so I think that was a real turning point when you start to go through puberty and all of a sudden I didn't have kind of pecs anymore. I had these like boobs that were coming and it was just a lot of changes. And I'd already obviously been modeling for like three or four years with the surf brands that I was working with. So it was a lot of just kind of comparison to the other girls that I was riding next to and all of these little things I think for a 15 year old girl was probably just all a little bit too much. Um, but yeah it kind of started at 15 and then yeah that was it I had it until I guess I was 23 when I actually started my recovery but wasn't until 25 that I took it super seriously and yeah knew that I wasn't going to be here much longer if I didn't. Wow how old are you now? 28. Wow this is actually still super recent. Um, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> just thinking about that kind of environment that you had been in at that young age and yeah surrounded by guys who I mean I guess that world has been dominated by for so long too so you probably had that in the back of your mind like how can I be as good as them even though you probably were mm -hmm. fucking better than them <laughs> and then um uh it's it's no doubt that these sort of insecurities and and feelings about what your body's looking like come into play but um when did you sort of notice like oh, I'm you know food or like your behavior with food or your your feelings about food kind of shifted and could you speak to anyone about it I mean my family are incredible they uh, were super super close so I always had definitely a really amazing group of people around me to talk to I think there's also an element of you don't want to hurt them you don't want them I didn't want them to think they'd let me go too young and that it was their fault that I kind of you know had these struggles with my eating and there's, I mean, there's an element of me that remembers this like really kind of detrimental time in my career where it was, I started modeling for Models One up in London. So I was kind of taking surfing super seriously. That was like, my main goal was just to be the best and to be a professional athlete. And that's for me, what I was put on this planet to do is to do sport. It's what it makes me like my most happy. I feel like it's like my superpower, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, 
when that kind of gets in a way taken away from you because they saw me as I think more of a just marketing puppet you know I fit the mold I had the blonde hair I had the blue eyes and I had the white skin and if you look at any kind of surfer for the female history we all look the same and that's something that I would really like to try and help is to see more diversity in surfing because it is for everybody and it's as hard as it is for me to say because I was the one that they kind of pushed for the poster girl there's also an element of it takes away what you actually are trying to do because I think they chuck a bikini on you and they say okay pose like this you look great that's cool and all of a sudden it started I guess for me in my head to take away from the fact that I was actually a professional athlete and being sexualized quite young and all those kinds of things it was just a really confusing time um so then when I went to this model agency I was like well I guess I just be what they want me to be and I just then kind of fell into this path of whatever my sponsor or agency or whoever is kind of in charge whatever they want me to do I guess you just do it because you want to keep the dream alive of this crazy childhood dream that a British surfer girl had that actually kind of came true so there's an element of, um, yeah, just being young and naive and not really realising that just doing what you want to do is more than enough, I guess. Yeah. Well, there are times where you're like, okay, stop taking photos. Do you actually want to see what I get up to in the water, guys? Oh, so just... many times. <laughs> oh. I think it's changing a lot, honestly. I do see a lot of, like, forward steps and I see the girls, you know, wearing a bit more the style they want to wear and stuff like that. But for me, it's such a tough one because when we were younger, we first started out and we wore board shorts over our bikinis to be a bit more like the boys so that we kind of didn't get separated in the fact of the boys and the girls because there was a real, you know, divide. So we thought, OK, well, we want to kind of look more like the boys so that they're not seeing us as these kind of sexy bikini wearers is kind of what it felt like back then. When I was 15, 16, it was definitely clear that they didn't want the girls to have their own like events it was in their eyes it was their money you know so that's I guess one side of it so I think that had a massive shift in us as females because we were like well you don't want us here anyway so okay we're going to make our own sort of path for women in surfing and that's when we started to think well why would we wear shorts like the boys? Actually, I feel like I go swimming in a swimming pool in my swimsuit. I sunbathe in the beach on my swimsuit why would I not surf in the same thing just to try and be like the boys? So it was a real shift, which I think some women will say that it's, you know, the misogyny has made you feel like you want to wear the bikini to do this, to do this, to get whatever. But I think in that moment, it was us taking back control of what we had seen, you know, our our idols in the years before us do. Like, actually, they had to do that. And maybe we don't have to do that anymore. And I think even now the younger girls that I see coming through, just how they are getting all this credit for actually just surfing. Mm. Amazing. That is for me like such an incredible feeling because it makes me know that like the things that I went through and the women before me, what they went through is just, it was all worth it, you know, because actually now the girls do get the credit. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's ups and downs, I think in any sport and, you know, uh, for women, I think we'll always have it a bit harder, but that's what makes us awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I'm glad you've seen that shift because um, it was bloody needed. But you're, you're so right, like kind of fitting into the guy mold back then and putting on board shorts is like, well, how do you break the mold if you're constantly trying to fit into it? And and finally saying no, because this is not about what we're wearing. This is about what we're doing out there. I think that would have been quite a brave move. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, you, there's always going to be two sides of it. And there's going to be women that it makes them feel uncomfortable yeah. wearing a bikini. And I think that's the most important thing is, is do wear what, what makes you, you want? comfortable. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Talk me through some of the highlights. Talk me through where you got to in the sport and how much that your amazing skills were recognised. I mean, I competed in Europe for, I guess, from about 15 till 17 and then after that, I started doing the qualifying series for like the world tour. Um, and yeah, I did that until I was about 21, which was incredible. Like we traveled nine months of the year with five of my best friends who were all on Billabong. And we literally had like the dream life 
on paper, it was like amazing. We traveled, we were always together. We were going to these incredible places, surfing perfect waves. And for me, I just loved winning. Like, honestly, that was why I did it. It was, that was my main passion was I just loved knowing that I'd achieved what I had been working towards. And just, I think, proving people wrong had always been my biggest fuel to my fire was knowing that a lot of people either didn't believe that I could or people thought that I had only got to where I was because, again, how I looked. So there was this, like, just need for me to prove everybody wrong that, like, I got here because of my talent. And that was, I think, just being able to prove that was a was a big deal for me, really. Um and then, yeah, I got to 22 and I was just, I was really struggling. I was really, really, really struggling. I had, my eating disorder had totally taken over. And I guess with most eating disorders, it's, you know, starts with something to do with food and body image and quite quickly becomes something else. And for me, it was definitely a control thing because we were just living such a transient life. One minute you're in Mexico on a photo shoot and the next week you can be in London like in a studio doing a photo shoot and then you're in Hawaii it's just so there's no consistency and even though you're trying to be a professional athlete like you you just you're training when you can you arrive somewhere and it's straight back into it and that alongside the eating disorder it was just it was a recipe for disaster because I never had the time to actually just focus on me and I don't think I wanted to I don't think I believed I deserved to have that time spent, which is like horrible to think now because I spend so much time just keeping kind of head above water and making sure that I'm okay and knowing that that is like the most important thing. Like for me personally is to, if I'm not okay, then I can't care for the people that I love and do the things I enjoy. So yeah, it's sad to look back and think that I didn't think I had time for that. Um, but I mean hindsight <laughs> yeah yeah you don't notice that at the time and you I, if you're living such a crazy schedule of flying here there and everywhere how can you ever stop and think how do I feel about this this is actually making me happy and and what about all these this tight-knit group of girls that you were in it with did any of them open up about the struggles of they were facing it was a really hard one because as much as we were like best friends we were also like competitors mm. a with our sponsors because we're all fighting for a sponsorship at the end of the year um and we're also competing against each other so there's an element of yeah we're really close but also you have to keep your weaknesses is what I saw my eating disorder as quiet like because if your competitor in the water maybe knows that you've got this mental health struggle maybe they're going to try and pry on it and things like that and I think it is still a massive massive issue in sport where people don't want to talk about it because anything in sport that isn't a forward step is seen as weakness and and that is something that massively needs to change and the amount of athletes that I speak to that that really struggle with either retiring because I think once you leave your sport you almost lose your identity for me that was the biggest thing was well, now I'm not a competitive surfer. Like, who is Laura? Because I've been told my whole life to be this person and this person and this person and this person. And now all of a sudden they've all been taken away and I'm just back to the same 12-year-old girl that left Devon, you know, back in the days. And that was really, really hard because I almost felt like I'd had to start my whole life again and build up my personality even. And I mean, naturally when you've got an eating disorder like that you you don't have much personality left in all honesty but yeah I mean that was the also the pinnacle of me wanting to get better was because I felt just like a breathing living eating disorder the whole time so that was important for me to just really go back and figure out well who am I like now at 22 I have to find out who I really was and it was it's been fun it's been tough but it's been super fun that's it Okay, let's get to the fun in a minute. But so you retired when you were 21. So you'd been kind of in the thick of it for a roughly 10 years or so. Yeah. And then um, what was the first step to going, I don't know who I am, but I do have this eating disorder. When did you then think I need to do something about this? Um, I, it, it was terrible. I was living in Bali at the time and it was just this 
like just kind of cycle that I just kept going through where I'd go on a trip I'd shoot photos or we'd like compete or whatever and then I'd come back from the trip and it would just be this huge low and obviously while I was traveling like there's an element of you kind of have to keep it keep it hidden so I'd obviously try to like not be sick as much in the days and stuff so then when I got back and was alone and wasn't with the team and I was you know spending a lot more time on my own that was kind of then my time where my bulimia would just kind of skyrocket and I had no control at all. It, it, I I always compare it to like, it makes you feel like it's kind of your only friend. And then when you're alone with it, it kind of makes you feel like it loves you and that it's got this kind of connection to you that you need it and it needs you. And it's, I mean, when you're in it, it's just so hard to see a way out. But I think, yeah, it was, it was in that moment when I came back after trips that I would really hit rock bottom. And I remember getting back from this one trip and thought, actually, I don't, I can't go through this, like being really, really low and then having to fake being really good again next week because it's so unhealthy. Um, and that was actually like the first time I'd seen my body doing things that I'd never seen it do before. Like I, I went to the toilet and I peed and it was like, like this oil that I was peeing out and it was I think that was the first time that physically I'd ever seen that my body was like no Lord this is enough and it scared me it's it really really scared the shit out of me honestly all of my friends that were around me at that point knew I was ill it was probably the first time I'd ever looked in speech marks like I had an eating disorder because I think that was the hardest thing or is the hardest thing for lots of people that have eating disorders especially bulimia is not you know fitting the super skinny look because I'd always had broad shoulders and was muscly I didn't carry an ounce of fat but it was you know it kind of made me look I guess healthy um and that was the thing that people kept saying to me oh but you don't look like you've got an eating disorder and I was like okay sweet well that means I can get away with this uh, longer yeah. then yeah and uh yeah that was it it was my body just saying no no more and um I ended up flying back to the UK for the first time I had in a long time because I really distanced myself from my parents and yeah that was it I was okay I'm ready to try and fix this and to try and you know get my life back and whatever shape or form that is and yeah it, it definitely wasn't wasn't quite then but it was this it was the start you know of me of me believing that I was worth more than to have to live like that I think. Mm -hmm. Had you distanced yourself from your parents because you were scared that they could see through it? Yeah. Yeah, I knew they could. Yeah. But isn't it also amazing that your mind can be your best friend one second gate? Girl, this is great. You're doing the right thing, you know, puking and stuff. And the next moment make you feel incredible fear. That will then move you forward to action. Okay, so did you go to the GP? Like what happened next? Um, so yeah, I flew back to England with like all my life for about <sighs> 10 years, um, like everything. Yeah. And it was a huge relief. It was a huge relief. I remember like just arriving into the, around the headland of home and I was like, okay, my mum and dad know that I'm just in the worst place ever at this point. So there's nothing to hide anymore. My little brother, that was really hard because he was still quite young and I'd missed a lot of his kind of growing up years. And then all of a sudden, the first thing he saw was his big sister, which he'd kind of, you know, looked up to in many ways, just kind of on the floor, which I also think was probably quite good for him to see that I wasn't just this shiny light that everybody had, I guess, in a small town scene. So that was really tough to kind of try to explain to him what I was going through. But yeah, I, my mum and I, we went to see a therapist and it was terrible. I absolutely hated it. I think I had this immediate fear that if she couldn't fix me, I was going to be like this forever. The fear of not being fixed was more than living with the bulimia, which now is, is crazy to me because I did get better and I could do the work and I did manage to do it. But it's in that moment I just thought well my last ditch attempt is therapy because I haven't been able to do it on my own and I've tried a few times so if I try this and it doesn't work I'm now you know that's it it's the end so there was an element of me that almost didn't really want to try with her and she spoke some things and I just said to my mum no it's not right she's not the right person 
and that was it I didn't see anyone I said to my parents I think I can do it on my own and I started reading lots of books and da 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 and yeah there was definitely weeks where I would go and maybe not be sick at all or not not have as many food thoughts but it was the control around the food that I just I hadn't I just had no control as soon as my parents would leave the house the fridge was getting raided it was like this other you know person like came out of you and just like had to yeah it was like a almost like a ritual you know it was so it was so dark is what it was it was really really dark um and yeah I think until I mean that was another two years I then lived with it for however long after that until about 25 so it was the start of me realizing I wanted to recover but it definitely didn't start (laughs) right there there's no quick fixes is there and um you know how before we recorded you were saying I have this fear of failure and that's I'm going to try and beat that in 2023 (laughs) but it's almost like you had this fear of failure of like not doing therapy right it's like it's almost again on you if I don't crack this through therapy then I failed and and it's almost like you have to overcome that feeling of like surrendering to whatever will happen next is going to happen and I'm just I have to go with it but if you if you haven't learned that yet then how are you ever going to get your mind into the right place of like I can get over this I don't know was there a point where you're like I deserve to feel good yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I, in fact, it was it was Love Island, but it's it's ah. it's yeah. Um, they asked me the year before I ended up doing it if I wanted to go, and I just finished competing pretty much, and I was like, no, there's no chance, because um, I still wasn't sure if I was going to go back to competing at that point. So it was I was going to take a year out, recover, and I was going to go back. Um, and in the end, I just knew that that industry was never going to be a safe space for me again. And that I wanted to share my message. I wanted to share that being a strong female was amazing. Like that was, you know, the thing that I'd been trying to push for all my life. And I thought, well, now at this point, I'd had Instagram since I was like 15 because our sponsors told us, okay, download this app, get some followers, whatever. So I'd already had a small profile. I mean, I had like 50,000 followers or something. And I thought, okay, like I'm sharing this message of trying to be, you know, strong female or whatever I thought I was trying to do at that point. Um, and I thought, well, what, like this is a great platform. If I can go on Love Island somewhere where I also feel massively misrepresented because all the girls are super glam, their makeup always looks incredible, like really like, you know, amazing outfits and all these things. And I thought, actually, do you know what, like, 15-year-old Laura could maybe do with seeing someone in there that's like just swimming lengths in the pool and, you know, winning all the challenges and just, do, you know, doing the stuff that maybe is seen as the boys stuff in there, you know. And that was my plan. I was like, I'm going in. I'm, you know, going to just try to be as me as possible and not conform and not try to, you know, I would spend like two hours every day in that dressing room lost. Because the girls are like, mate, there's so many things that you can do with makeup and hair and clothes that I learned in that two little weeks that I was in there, which I think is awesome. But there was a side of me that was like, okay, well, I'm not this. And I have to just keep in my, and there was definitely moments where I was like, oh, maybe I should like glam up a little bit because I'm looking a bit, (laughs) I'm looking real surfer girl (laughs) right now. (laughs) But no, that was my thing. And I worked out every day and I swam. I was also still being sick while I was in there which is insane because the amount of like things you have to go through to try and be sick in a place like that that's full of cameras and you've got a microphone on you the whole time it takes uh, like a lot of a lot of thinking about and I really it was something I was anxious about walking in there was how am I not going to do this like but you figure it out, I suppose. And that was really sad for me. But I also remembered really telling myself that I didn't have it anymore and that it was okay. It was just because I was really stressed in the moment. That was why I would feel, felt I needed to, to vomit and whatever. But I think the time for me really came when I got out. And I don't think anyone can prepare you for what you're going to get when you come out of there. But I went from living in Portugal straight into Love Island and the magnitude of the show obviously in Portugal no one knows um so I didn't quite expect it to be like it was that's for sure but I was really lucky in the sense compared to most people I didn't get any trolling didn't really get any hate the only thing I had was from the Daily Mail basically saying that I was 
masculine with my body shape and I didn't do my nails so that could have you know maybe been improved on so the two things <laughs> I actually was insecure about going in they brought up but I also thought would you know what you've kind of everything that I wanted to go in there and be this poster girl for maybe the not so girly girl yeah you've really written it and just passed it back to me and said well hi there you go and then, yeah so there was a side of me that was like you've done it that like you've actually you caught them out because all the things that you wanted to be they've put a big red circle around and be like hash is different and that for me was the turning point I was like no Laura like you you don't deserve to have people dictate whether you're image is this or your image is that and that was a moment for me where I really regained yeah like myself and was like hey you went in there because you wanted to do yourself proud and you did like let that be that and yeah yeah it, it, it was it was a massive massive turning point for me because I felt that I had done myself proud for the first time probably in my life which is um yeah I mean it takes a lot for me to do myself proud because I have high standards for what I should and shouldn't be achieving but um yeah that was a big moment for me because I really thought well I've, I've I've done it like that that's it and I definitely from there on out had lots of ups and downs with my eating for sure after that and it was a very tricky time for everybody coming out that show I'm, I'm, I'm sure but yeah that was that was the turning point definitely. Wow yeah the fact that you could kind of write <laughs> read the absolute bile that that paper might write but kind of spin it on its head and kind of go but actually I didn't cave and I didn't I didn't want to go in there and be like okay this is what I could look like but it's not very me but you didn't and the fact that you could thankfully see that I guess is the important bit here it's not about how that then affects you and how they're trying to judge you because it's, it's it is irrelevant but still hurtful I think I just think it's amazing that you'd been through well, you were barely recovered, or you hadn't really fully recovered because you were managing to be sick in Love Island. And then, but of all the things to go on, no one would think, do you know what? This will help with your recovery. Go on Love Island. <laughs> no, I think I, I'm definitely uh, going to say that I'm a very, like, a real minority. <laughs> wow. It's brave as fuck. You're yeah. a fucking hell. Thank you. I appreciate that, especially from you. That means a lot. Aww. Yeah, it was it was definitely a fight or fly thing for me. It was I either let them beat me and I let this, you know, really it's gonna either kill me or it's gonna make me wanna fight it. Like and yeah, I yeah, I just wanted to win, I guess. It was yes, the first time when I thought it. I'm gonna beat this, like yeah. as if I've let this beat me. Like, <laughs> you know, it was my competitive side and it it was that. It was my competitive streak in me definitely you know, was probably what aided me to get quite as ill as I was and take it to quite the extreme but it was also what you know got me better maybe quicker than some people or whatever but yeah I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. So can I just ask you before you go in and you have I guess interviews with the producers and I mean was there a psychologist as well that you spoke to I, I mean I'd like to think there is now but back then? Yeah, no, even back then, I, we went into like a um, like a hospital sort of, sort of thing and spoke to a lady and she really, um, she actually asked me lots about my eating disorder. I remember when I went in because I was like, well, if I tell her that I've got this terrible eating disorder, she's probably going to be like, maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. So I just said, so yeah, I struggled with an eating disorder for quite a while, but it's gone now. I mean, at this point, I was so used to lying about it that you start to really believe it and I think that's a really hard thing when you're trying to lie to your peers and your parents and whatever like you start to believe the lies that you're, you're saying because it, well, it's your mind isn't it it's, it just believes you so I think there was definitely I mean I could have been more honest that's for sure and maybe they then wouldn't have let me be in there but who knows really I guess yeah so yeah, once you came out, did you move back to Devon? After, oh, like, where, what did you do when you after Love Island? I actually went directly back to Portugal, which everybody thought was very, very strange. But there was always an element of me that I think knew that I wasn't probably going to go down the generic Love Island route. Um, I obviously never wanted to work with fast fashion just because of the impact on the planet and that was a really really big deal for me it, that was one of my things that I wanted to be different in and no matter how much money they offer which was 
insane because I was probably one of the first athletic girls that went into the show so I had like loads of really big sports deals on the table but it was all you know your boohoos your pretty little things and stuff like that and as hard as it was to say no to that kind of money I just for my soul I had to and I have no regrets and I would never change that at all so yeah I just went straight back to Portugal and spent like maybe like three weeks there just while kind of everything calmed down a little bit and everyone was doing like all the press and stuff and it just wasn't really like something I felt that I missed out on at all I did like one or two like little bits and it just didn't feel like me like at all and that then in this time was kind of when my the sort of really ramped up again because I just thought like I've got into this show I thought I did an amazing job and then now I'm back kind of like where I started because I've got people telling me what I should and shouldn't do so that lasted for like not that long honestly probably like a month after and then I kind of like had a you know I had an amazing manager and she was a friend as well and she really guided me through everything like from you know how we were going to market me as as a whole and all of these things and that that gave me much more I guess like comfort in just knowing that I was on the right path and stuff like that and I think yeah that was probably the start of me knowing that actually okay I'm going to create some you know a new sort of avenue for hopefully somebody else that can come out of Love Island or whatever but that was not yeah I, I didn't I definitely didn't stay in the UK for long Let's, I guess, let's move on to the glitter because I guess in, in a way I'm, tr- I'm still trying to understand like at what point do you kind of go, that's it, bulimia is behind me? Well, the actual moment was my dad sent me just, but it was probably just at the end of lockdown, in fact, or nearing like maybe the set, I don't know, the second, the third, whatever it was, more towards the end. My dad sent me a documentary and it was Freddie Flintoff talking about his bulimia journey he's obviously a cricket player and really great cricket player and it was his journey of being an athlete with bulimia and all over the years and the similarities in our story it was so insane that it got me really upset I I was just in tears watching it on the sofa and he spoke to this lady all about you know his triggers as an athlete and again the not being good enough and not feeling like you're good enough so you go to this kind of bulimia friend that tells you you're amazing and that you're great in your head and it was actually really hard for me to watch because he spoke to this therapist and she was great and I just felt like he was in a really similar position to me and that he didn't really want to get better maybe or in the same like I said the fear of actually going to the therapy and and then failing the athlete mind is an incredible place honestly but yeah I think watching that made me think well he's almost 20 years older than me I don't want to be living like that when I'm 40 was the immediate thought in my head and that was what really upset me and it was this one clip of him cycling on a watt bike at the end and you can see him kind of like look down to his belly and then just carry on like beasting it and I saw like me it was so weird um and yeah that was it I emailed the therapist that was on the show and I had a call with her like the following week I'd had sepsis just after I came out of Love Island as well which was terrible and I'd almost died from that but it would all come at the same time that after having the sepsis I'd had like a lot of worries with my um like fallopian tubes because I had a huge cyst in my fallopian tube which was effectively where the sepsis came from yeah And I came out of hospital and I was, you know, a year and a bit kind of clear. And I then started to get really bad pains again, just before I watched this Freddie Flintoff documentary. And uh, it was a really uneasy time because I thought, oh, my God, this is all happening. I'm starting again. So stress came. So my eating got worse. And I was like, you know what? This is perfect time. I need I can't every time I have stress, just deal with it like this. This is insane. So I called her and I explained that I'm really worried because I've got these pains here again and I can feel the stress getting more. I just don't really know what to do. And she was incredible. She just had this ability to, it was like she knew me, you know, 
and it, it was everything that I was saying. She didn't even really need to say that much, I don't think, at the start, but she just validated everything that I felt and maybe, you know, certain things that had happened to me when I was younger that had, you know, potentially triggered it and things like this. It just almost started to give me answers as to why I woke up feeling like this every day or, you know, and these things that just made me, I guess, feel not quite as mental as I thought I was. Yes. Yes. Wow. And I guess, yeah, if she's seen similar behaviours from an athlete before, she would have been like, yeah, you're that tick, you're that tick, you're that tick. And added to that a lot of personal stuff too from mm-hmm. maybe your childhood or whatever. A lot, So much stuff comes up, doesn't it? Wow. What, yeah. what an, an angel in that moment. Yeah. Oh, honestly, like I remember getting off the phone to her and thinking, whoa, actually, like this, I could actually, I can do this. Like with her, I think yeah. I can actually do this. Yeah. Which was in, yeah, I mean, it took still like a year and a half before I felt that I actually didn't think about you know, food in that kind of way again, that it didn't run my life. And still, I, I still speak to her and and things when I feel like I'm, you know, stress is building. I get quite, I used to get a lot of um like kind of health anxiety after I'd had sepsis. And that was something that was like crippling for me because I'd never, it was the first time my body really had ever just kind of gone in on itself, it felt like. And that would worried me because I think it was a lifestyle change as much as I, when I came obviously out of Love Island, I went to Portugal for a little while and then I did move to London in the end for a period of time. So the lifestyle change on my body went from always being at the beach, out in nature to getting on the tube every day to pollution, to all of these things. And, you know, I was partying more than I'd ever partied in my life. I was obviously really not in a good place with my bulimia. So it was all these things that I was doing in my body again was just like, no, mate, like we're not doing this. This is ridiculous. And I mean, it was sepsis and it was this, yeah, it was the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. It just even honestly seeing the post of you yesterday being in the hospital, I thought to myself, you're a real hero, man, because <laughs> I just, it, 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 it scared me being in there. You know, I just yeah. think the, men- the mental strength that you have is, I, yeah. Have you ever read the book called The Body Keeps a Score? No, but I've heard of it. Mm. But it's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one because it's a lot of what you're saying is kind of make me think of some of the stuff in there about like how I think for so long you've asked so much of your body, like constantly asking stuff of it, like okay, now you know being an, an elite athlete and 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 then suddenly your body's going okay, you've asked this of me, so you. I'm, this is how I'm going to respond to that and now you've asked this is me and this is how I'm going to respond to that it's almost like finally you and your body sat down together and like okay should we work together then is that what you want and I and that's what makes all the difference and like I, I yeah thank you for saying that about going into hospital I, I, I have been going into hospital for like 14 years so I guess it, there comes a point you're like yeah I'm used to this now <laughs> this is yeah. my life but um it, I think once you kind of gain that sort of teamwork perspective with your body for me that changed so many things I'm like your body's not working against you it just wants to work with you and the same with your brain like all that stuff you're just in this together um and I think once you make that connection it helps a lot helps so much (laughs) well I I saw that you do some cold water swimming as well and that for me is what was the was the biggest kind of change for that kind of taking taking your body and being like okay we're doing this this is for us because for it was the first I guess activity in my life that I'd ever done that wasn't like an immediate progression um you can't be bad at it so for me it was like okay well I go to the beach to offer something to my body really beautiful that hey we're gonna we're gonna do this together because it's gonna help your mind and it's gonna help your health and it's just that it's so simple and it's so pure that I just had this immediate like obsession with like needing to do it more. Um, and I love to see, I like love to see that you do it as well. Yeah. Like, it's hard if you live yeah. right by the beach not to be in the water all the time. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, totally. But I, it's it's interesting though because so many people say, "Oh, you must go in every day." How do you do that every day? Like, surely you go in every day. I'm like. The fact that you're putting that pressure on me that now I feel I have to go in every day because is there some kind of score sheet about that? Because I don't think there is. And so I like saying to people, when I don't feel like it, I don't go in. 
And like that to me is more powerful than saying I go in every single day because now I feel like I have to. And it's the same with like whether or not I decide to wear a wetsuit or not. Like in the moment, if I feel like I just don't want to feel that cold in there, and I will wear a wetsuit, but if I don't, I don't. And it's again like it's almost the pressure that other people put on you about like what goal are we reaching here? And it takes a lot for you to go, no, hang on a minute. I, the only person that I'm trying to satisfy here is myself and my body and what it needs right now. And if it's not going in cold water, then we're not going in cold water. And that's taken a bit of time because at first, when I first moved here, I was like, no, I, I must go in every day. Otherwise, it counts for nothing. I'm like, no, fuck that. Fuck I'm so that. happy you just said that because yesterday I put on my story like, wow, I've done this two days in a row. And then today I was like, oh, I should probably do it again. And then I've got like a streak. And I'm so happy to say that because I didn't. And I went for a walk instead. Yeah. And I'm so, I feel proud of myself for mm. not going now today. Listening. Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Because, <laughs> um, and I, you probably put that up because you're like, oh, I'm going to hold myself more accountable if I prove to other people I'm doing this thing. But no one actually really cares if you're about to do a third day in the pool. Exactly. <laughs> Only no, you. for sure. Only you. The, the thing that made me feel so good was yesterday a girl commented like under my uh, video saying that like, you've inspired me to go cold water swimming. and then this morning she tagged me in a video of her walking down uh, the beach and yeah, I was like, I that's that so yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so glitter, going in cold water and realizing that shit is great and there's no competition there. But like, how do you sum up glitter as a whole? Like, how have you glittered your turd? I think just seeing tough times as an opportunity to grow I think is a, the biggest one for me because I just used to be yeah so easy to see like you know the tiniest little hiccup as a massive deal and I definitely don't do that anymore I'm, I'm much more carefree I'm much yeah I, I think I just it's easier to put things into perspective, isn't it? When well, well, I guess once you've almost not been here for a minute, it's easy to, you know, see how valuable life really is. And whether it was from my eating disorder, or it was after sepsis, um, you know, all of these things that kind of I guess I made it through and 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 fought hard to come back from. They, yeah, they made me me and they made me strong. And I wouldn't want my life to be any different you know and I think that's a, a really I mean hard thing to say sometimes for myself because I know that I lost a lot of my years of growing up and figuring out who I was but I also think that it's sped up a lot of a lot of me finding who Laura is and like I said having to actually find out really who I was outside of my sport that would I think that would have been a lot harder had I not had you know, those tough times, because it, it makes you really have to just believe that you alone are enough and where you are right now, even if it's a really terrible, terrible situation, that it passes. And that if you know, you, you're strong enough to get through things, if you if you kind of just be with the moment that you've got right in front of you, because it's so easy to worry about like the future and the things that are going to happen tomorrow or the week ahead. And you know, there's so many moments that you can, it's, it's perspective, isn't it, I suppose. But um, yeah, definitely that, just to not care so much about things that you just don't need to care about. Yeah. And you've learned all that shit at, by the age of 28. So your 30s are going to look fucking lovely. <laughs> so, it's been, I mean, since the age of 12 to 28. Uh, been, actually, that's a it's big been time. it's been long years yeah. but it's been mm. so good and like I said you know I wouldn't I wouldn't want to change it I wouldn't I would definitely wouldn't want to go through what I've had to go through again so I'm I'm good where I am for yeah. sure what would you say the number one lesson was you've probably already covered something in that already but what is the one thing that you'd want to pass on to someone else about what you've been through and your turd just to do things like for the feeling I spent my year or my whole competitive career doing things for the acceptance of other people rather than how it made me feel and surfing the first time I caught a wave made me feel like I was like alive you know like I was so just myself and free and I lost that and I think I lost that because I stopped doing things for how they felt inside me and I think that that was you know now at 28 it's easy for me to say 
you know I go swimming because it feels amazing because I've learned all these things but even at my younger self it would just be to yeah just to do things for the pure like love of it and don't do it because somebody else wants you to do it or it feels like that might push you in the right direction for your career there's always elements of having to do things that aren't particularly enjoyable but definitely when it comes down to you as a person you do it because it makes you feel good I guess that must be feel so nice when you go I've seen you go on trips with your brother on like um, surfing trips and stuff to reconnect with that feeling of like I'm doing this because I want to I'm out I'm out here getting these waves because it feels fucking great not because someone's told me I have to yeah well in fact he is the main reason that I got back in the water because I didn't oh. surf like two years after I finished competing because oh, right. I just had this such terrible like connection with surfing and mental health and it was just it was really it was terrible um and it was really hard and I think <laughs> my brother getting into surfing when I was falling out of love with it and then I saw him just like fully loving it and waking up at like 6am before he was going to work to go surf which is what I used to do when I was a kid it was like seeing me again falling in love with surfing I was like wait how did I lose what I started this whole thing for the passion of just surfing and um yeah we've done some really sick trips over the last couple of years and it was a bit nice because like I said I wasn't there much when he was growing up and to rebuild our friendship through finding love both for surfing at the same time again was super special and I guess that was also one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to start my retreat business because Mm. it was something that I thought well I spent my whole life knowing that I had all these tools whether it's cold water swimming or it was the you know surfing or just being in nature and at the beach and I didn't even know how valuable these were so imagine the people that don't know how valuable these are and don't have them in their lives maybe Maybe I can offer them, you know, this kind of what I look to as a being a kind of a superpower to have this connection with nature and yourself. You know, everything that I try to do now is if I'm passionate about it, then it feels good. Then I do it. And if I'm not passionate about it, and it doesn't feel good. I don't do it. So, yeah, definitely got little brother to thank for inspiring me and getting me back in the water. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a good way of looking at it. and. Um it's such a good like a check-in with yourself is like how wh- why am I doing this how does it make you feel and such a good lesson to learn to the people that go on your retreats I suppose as well because you were saying before we started recording as well about how you want to really up the accessibility to the outdoors and making people feel like anyone can get outside and how do you feel like the retreats can do that or how do you want to tackle that I guess for, there's I mean, I can speak by just kind of instance of happened at the retreats, but for certain things like I will just run into the ocean because I I guess I do like little assessments that I don't even think of before I get in there. Like, hey, I know there's rocks there, so I'm going to go there or there's a rip there. So I'm going to, you know, these little things that growing up in the ocean, you just know, like you don't even think about it. You just know that it's there because you see it in this just you make the decision based on so many little things but it's you just make a decision in your head so I think for me it was really stripping it back and kind of explaining to people the smallest little things you know holding somebody's hand and running in the water together that's a big deal because it meant that they weren't going alone and then next time they felt that they could go because they had already done it once before and running into the water and just I think having a little bit more knowledge of the ocean is super important because it's dangerous it's super dangerous if you're not aware of what you're doing out there it is super dangerous and I think being able to give somebody the confidence to just run into the ocean on their own for me is such a massive deal because I know that if I couldn't just run into the ocean on my own like I don't I don't know where I'd be um so if I can offer that to even just one person then that feels good for me you know I'm, I'm not I'm not out here you know making millions from it that's for damn sure but it's it's a full passion project right now yeah. and I just love seeing other people just enjoy the, the ocean and just the outdoors we do hiking just hearing the conversations that people are having about not you know not knowing that these kind of feelings can be possible just through being out in nature and stuff so yeah I think for me it's just knowing that I guess the lifestyle that I live now 
can be inspiring to other people and and being able to help them like start their journey I suppose and you know not just do them at the beach as well it's important for me to make sure that they're like I said like accessible to people that maybe don't you know necessarily live super near the beach and you know because I lived in London for like almost a year and a half two years and started cold water swimming in Teddington yeah in the Thames right yeah exactly people now they comment on my instagram but oh i wish i could do that every day so i always say well where do you live i'll find your spot yeah, yeah. if you look hard enough there's somewhere you can go and i think it's that isn't it it's perspective and it might not be as beautiful as maybe in a, a blue ocean somewhere but hey you still yeah. get the same kick out of it and you'll still feel amazing when you oh, do it totally totally as long as long as you're making sure that no uh waste has been dumped in that spot recently Oh yeah, so. no, that's for sure. <laughs> no, oh, that's I hate, I hate that I have to consider that now. It's, it's disgusting that I have to think about whether or not shit has been dumped into the water. That's my next goal for the year is to try and really create some awareness for what we've got going on down here at the moment. Because hey, this is our safe place. Sue, yeah. I don't want to think of a day where we can't enter the ocean because it's too dangerous. Uh, and I, I think I know what you're about to say, but what do you think has helped you to glitter your turd? Could be a thing, could be something less tangible. Yeah, I guess the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, yeah, the one thing that always brings me back is is that. I, I even I, I lived last year in the Alps, and I was swimming lots in lakes and and you know anything to just find a body of water and. I just didn't get that same kind of connection. I think it, there's so many things for me because it's smell of the of the ocean, it's the taste, like the salt water, it's the feeling of it. It's different. It's how my body floats differently in the salt. It's all. It's so many things that probably sound like super hippy dippy to a lot of people, nope. but it's yeah, it's my it's my safest place. So definitely 100% the ocean. Great, it's a good one. Then finally, we're going to just quickly listen to one of my listeners who has shared their Glittering a Turd story with us. Um, They're called Franny, so let's have a listen. I watched my mum die uh, when I was 19 years old. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, which spread to her liver, which then spread to her lungs and her brain. It's nearly eight years ago now. And if I'm totally honest, I'm still not over it. I don't think I ever will be. But my glitter to my turd is that every night before I go to bed, I look at the stars and there is one star in the sky that flickers and shines brighter than the rest. And I know that my mum will always be looking over me. And that's what brings glitter and is what makes it easier for me to deal with knowing that she's up there sparkling away as normal wow thank you franny for sharing that isn't it bizarre that people when it comes to grief think that there should be an expectation that we get over it at some point because there's just like that's not even possible how how would you ever be able to get over something like that but i'm so glad that franny's found her glitter in it and and can sense that her mum is with her at all times sparkling in the sky that's really nice thank you to anyone that shares the story and if you wanted to share your turd glittering story you can do so by just sending a voice message to the number in the footnotes of this podcast right laura all that's left for us to do now is to toast to all the turds of the world I don't know if you've got a drink nearby. I have got I've got a a, a lukewarm coffee, but Yes. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Let's cheers to your turd, my turd, all the turds. Franny's turds. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, Laura is proof that even when you convince yourself you're never gonna be okay and in her case, recover from bulimia and never see the glitter, you can and you will. I think it's so brave of her to say a lot of the things that she shared and also for her to admit that the fear of being fixed was greater than the illness itself. 
I think that constant fear of failure, even when it comes to overcoming something like bulimia, is seemingly just so toxic. But then if she hadn't been so competitive, she might not have had the determination to beat it in the end. Ultimately, I'd say her competitiveness was her blessing and her curse. I'm so glad she's now found something that you can be good and bad at and still get the benefits from, like cold water swimming. And I also really hope that we get to go for a dip sometime. I'll keep you posted on that. If you're interested in one of Laura's retreats, you should check out CCO online and also on Instagram. Thank you so much, Laura, for your honesty and sharing so much with us. Uh, Thank you to Franny for sharing your turd glittering story too. And mega, mega thank you to you guys for listening. Remember to have a moment of life appreciation and turd glittering on Sunday. Until soon. Love you. Bye.